0: Everyone, and welcome back to the Sky of Off Podcast. So glad you could join me today. And just want to say thank you to everyone that has uh, downloaded episodes and listened. I uh, hope you are enjoying the what you're hearing. And if you have any thoughts, any ideas, uh, if you know of someone that you feel would make a great guest, please feel free to reach out to us on our email address of podcast at gmail.com. Please don't be afraid to tell a friend about the podcast. And if you'd like, please leave a review on the various uh, podcast platforms today's podcast we are joined by jordan brunsheen jordan was a former athlete of mine and she had a medical condition while she was in high school and she tells us the story of going through that as a teenager and how it's kind of shaped her life now and what she's up to now and uh, moving forward. Since the podcast was recorded, she did become engaged. So that is exciting news and uh, waiting for my invitation in the mail. So sit back, relax, and enjoy an enjoyable conversation that I had with my friend Jordan Brunsheen. All right, we're here with, pronounce your name.
1: Jordan Brunsheen.
0: Yes, I've been saying it right all these years. No, Jordan is uh, a fantastic person and got to meet her when I was coaching soccer. And I've been lucky enough to coach her sister now. And uh, she has a great story. That's not just who she is. She's more than that. But she found her wallet, so that's good crisis averted, but uh, with everything that was going on with Carson King, I wanted to speak with Jordan because uh, when I, a company I used to work for, the Ronald McDonald's Children's Home, were uh, the main charity and we would go there, but I never met anybody that stayed there or had to use kind of their services, so when all this was going down, I thought of you and I thought it'd be great because you've gone through this tr- very traumatic part of your life and you've come out and seem to be... A pretty okay person now and uh, you fooled me so far so we'll just see how long that lasts but thanks for joining me Jordan.
1: No problem.
0: Goofball. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Um, my name is Jordan. I'm 21. I graduate from UNI next month with a degree in psychology applying to grad school to be a school counselor. I work at a preschool right now. It's a lot of fun. For the most part. Yeah.
0: So, why psychology?
1: Um, yeah, I don't really know. I think I, <laughs> that's not a good thing to say You're when remember. I graduate next month. No, no I, I like started with uh, like full circle. I started wanting to be a school psych or a guidance counselor in high school, and that's what like was set on my senior night for soccer. Then I got there, and I was like, that's stupid to declare a major when you're 18. So I didn't declare, and then, like, three weeks into school, I'm like, I should be a teacher. So then I, like, did observation in the classroom, not for me. Don't want to be in charge of people like that. So then I dropped that, and then I went to Iowa for a semester to try to study recreational therapy. Didn't like that, but I did, like, shadowed occupational therapy. was pretty cool, so I started doing my... Um, observation hours for that and then I declared psych since that's what a lot of OT majors do then I did my observation hours for OT in a hospital saw too many naked old men and decided that wasn't for me so I dropped that and kept my psych and then decided came back to school because I shot a couple counselors and ended up liking it (laughs) so yeah
0: (laughs) so it was a fear of naked men that kind of got you into the degree you're going to go into now Okay, good. Okay. Hey, as long as you have a purpose and a why, I get that's all. It's important. So, that being said, kind of go through, well, we became, I wouldn't say friends, but acquaintances um, because we gave ourselves a little sock twin. So, kind of explain kind of where that came from and that'll lead into kind of the whole story.
1: Well, first thing I noticed about you when you were shorts is that you had a compression sock and that was tan. And most people have compression stockings, try to match their compression to like their skin color and yours is like dramatically white and your leg is not white. And so I said I had the same one because mine went all the way up to my thigh when yours just cut off mid-calf. And yeah, I think that was the first thing I said to you was like, hey, I have the same one. (laughs) Nobody ever says that. So yeah.
0: So you never see people with a compression stock?
1: I mean, my grandma has one, but I think that's literally the only other person I've ever seen. Besides people get like surgery and get the white ones, but never like a full on tan one.
0: So when we said that, we found out that in 2005, I had a clot in my leg. And then you told the story, you said, hey, so did I. And I was like, hey, it's a pretty small club. You're the first person I've met. So then we kind of learned your story. So why don't you tell your story?
1: Like all the way from the beginning? Yeah okay um one morning uh, okay so I was freshman and I was like training really really hard to get on the varsity soccer team and freshman high school yeah so I was 14 and so I um started working out with Ken McClellan from the Anvil gym to kind of get me stronger faster better kind of that that thing the jig um (laughs) But so I was training really hard because I really wanted to make the varsity team. And like, even if I didn't start, I didn't really care just because I wanted to be on the varsity squad. I thought I was too good for JV, but that's not true at all. Don't, don't have that type of a mindset. (laughs) But um, so then um, it was a Thursday morning and we had the first day of agilities and I was scared out of my mind. So I told my mom I didn't feel good. And like I laid in the bathroom floor at like 2 a.m. pretending to puke and she believed me. (laughs) <laughs> so then I didn't have to go to agility's that first morning since I was so scared <laughs> it comes back it's full circle okay. so then um that day like I think I slept at homework and then we didn't have to school the next day but mom was like well, it must have been like a 24-hour bug I was like yeah it must have been mom <laughs> so then like that, it's and, the that lied to your mom about yeah that. Like, okay. exactly um so then I woke up from a nap and my left hip was hurting which was kind of weird but I thought it was just kind of stiff and So I told my mom, and she was like, oh, ice ibuprofen. I ignored my mom and went and told my dad. My dad's like, ice ibuprofen. Because normally my mom, like, panties me. And she was like, sometimes she'll be like, oh, there's something really, really wrong. But my dad will be like, you're fine. Like, walk it off. You're fine. So then we went... The next morning I woke up again and we didn't have school because it was in service day. And then I'd like look back and think it's stupid that I missed a day of school even though I had the next day off. 45 minutes would have been fine. It would have been okay. But anyways, um, so then I went to go do my workout with Ken and I told him that my hip was hurting. But I had a soccer game that night so he told me to like take it easy for the night. Don't like risk what we've been working for for one indoor soccer game. So I agreed and I think I just did arms that day. And then I went that night and um, watched my team play soccer, sat on the sidelines, did my thing. Then I went and stayed at a friend's house that night. And then I got up the next day. My dad came and picked me up. And on the way home, he's like, oh, how's your leg feeling? I was like, it feels kind of numb. But, like, I think it feels better because it's numb. He's like, it must be on the up and up. And then I was going to go sing. (laughs) I was going to go sing at church in the youth mass. And I went to go start getting ready. And I, like, sat down. I was like, huh, my leg looks really, really red. And I kind of thought, like, maybe I'm imagining it. So I took a picture with my phone, and, like, it looked red. So I sent it to my mom, and I was like, hey, like, do you see this, too? Or, like, am I just imagining it? So she called my brother, who was to be a paramedic at the time, upstairs. And Zach, like, banged on my door. He's like, come out here. I have to look at your leg. So I was like, okay. So I, like, went out there, and he made me, like, stand up, sit down, like, pressure on it and stuff. And then... He told my mom, he's like, yeah, like you may want to come and like take her to the hospital because like something's not really right. So then my mom came home from my sister's basketball tournament and then uh, we went into the hospital. We went to St. Luke's first and I kind of told my mom like, I'm fine, like I don't really need to go. My mom's like, it's probably a pinched nerve and that's what's bugging it. So that should be an easy fix. And so we got there and they did like the basics, like ultrasound, x-ray. That, I don't know if there's any more basic tests besides that, but I remember those two. And uh, the doctor came in and said it was a blood clot. And I was, like, kind of weirded out because I only knew blood clots from, like, old people. To be honest, like, stereotypical I was 14. Like, what else do you expect from me? <laughs> but um, but the doctor pulled my mom to the side. She's like, if this were my kid, I would want her to go down to the U of I because we don't really have that type of specialty here. So we'd want you to go down there. So then my brother, Zach rode down with me in the ambulance and my mom followed behind. And my mom's like hysterical at this point. Like, I think she's going to pull her hair out. She was like so nervous. So in my head, I was like, dang, all right, let's do this. Cause I didn't know what it meant. So we went on down and Zach rode in. I thought Zach was like going to be in the back with me for someone to talk to, but Zach like was in paramedic school. So he sat in the front seat so he could talk to the paramedic driver And I was like, what's the point in riding with me if you weren't even going to talk to me? (laughs) So then we get there and we get into a room. And I, like, also had never been into a hospital before. So I assumed that um, I would get my own room to start. But I had to share a room with someone, which was news to me. Because I was also annoyed that this girl next to me is, like, hearing all of my business. And I didn't want her to know my business. But then the doctors came in. They're like, okay, like, we're going to start you on blood thinner shots. And then... We'll, like, progress tomorrow, see what happens. So I got my first shot, and it hurt so bad. I'd never experienced a pain like that in my life before. Like, take your skin and pinch it and then shove it into you. And it burned like no other. And then everybody left, and my mom stayed with me that night. And I just remember the girl next to me coughed the entire night, so I couldn't fall asleep. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then the next day, I had, like, Ken came and visited me first, and, I remember I texted Ken and saying, like, hey, I won't be there to work out on Monday. <laughs> and Ken's like, why? I'm like, well, I'm in the hospital. And he's like, okay. So, and he came down to the hospital that day. And, did like, you
0: think he believed you
1: or he- I don't know. Apparently, like, my uncle called him after, like, my dad called my uncle to say, like, hey, like, JoJo's not going to be coming into the gym anymore. And Ken's like, yeah, I know. Like, I'm entering the hospital, like, doors right now. Like, yeah, I'm already in there. So then, um, uh. I like remember taking a couple steps and like the nurse coming in, she's like, no, like you're not allowed to walk anymore. I was like, where, how am I supposed to get where I need to go if I can't walk anymore? But she's like, that's why we have wheelchairs. And I was like, I'm not immobile. I can walk. But my mom made me sit down for the rest of my time there. And then um, my friends Lexi and Haley came up to visit me. And the ultrasound person, sonographer maybe, vascular sonographer, she came up to see how far my clot had developed. And I remember she came back four times because she wasn't getting enough of it or the entire picture to see how far it went up. And the last time she came in, she's like, we're just going to do a CT because we can't get everything in one photo. So then I went and got my first CT and I got brought back and they're kind of like this is really extensive but we're going to see what we can do. You'll probably be here for 3 to 5 days and then you'll get to go home with blood thinners and then compression stockings. And I was like, "Okay, sounds good." And then we had a friend who is a nurse at the U who got me situated into my own personal room. So I was really excited about that that I didn't have to be with anybody else. I know I some sound- I know. <laughs> I know I sound really selfish, but I just wanted to be by myself. So then um, the next day, the nurse came in and said that the doctors would be in shortly because then there was an issue with that blood thinners shots weren't doing enough, so they wanted to put an angio into a catheter and put that into my leg and then slowly suck the clot out over there however many days. So then I sh- like realized that I would be here a lot longer than three days. Like,
0: so at, up to this point, did you have any idea about how dangerous a blood clot could be? Did like, like you can, people die from them and it can be pretty quick that at, up to this point, did you know how severe it was or were you still kind of like, okay, I got a blood clot. I'll, I'm getting this medication. I'm getting this procedures done and we'll just go from here.
1: Um, My, no, I Probably didn't realize how serious it was until probably two months after I got out of the hospital. Because everybody talks about how, like, hospitals are really scary. But, like, to be honest, you of is like, the best. Even when I got moved up to ICU, like, I had popsicles that were brought to me in the middle of the night. Like, I understood that, <laughs> like, I, the first surgery I had was scary. And I had to get, like, anxiety medication since I had a panic attack about, like, being put under and stuff like that. But, no, I didn't. I was not... Like, some things really hurt, don't get me wrong, but I wasn't scared. It's was just more being uncomfortable, I guess. It wasn't anything like that.
0: No, because, like, when I had mine, um, I had uh, an ultrasound done, and the lady flipped out. Like, she's like, you need to go to the emergency room right now. I'm like yeah okay whatever and she's like no promise me because if you don't drive yourself I'm going to call an ambulance to take you and I'm like why is she flipping out so bad and then she said give them this paperwork right when you walk through the door and she wrote a bunch of stuff on the outside that I didn't understand and then so I was sitting in like the emergency room. And then the doctor came in and I was like, hey, you guys gonna give me a shot so I can get out of here. And he's like, you don't realize how severe this is. I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you could have died. And that's how he put it. And I was like, oh, okay. So pretty much for the next five days sitting in the hospital, like all I could think about all day was, oh, I could have died. And we just kind of went from there. So I didn't know it was like that. Like I had no clue what it was because I was like you, oh, blood clot. Old people get blood clots and I'm not old so how did I get it and nobody could tell me how I got mine
1: yeah they told me like months after that I'd started a birth control pill because I was had really bad periods for a really long time and then they think that combined with running into a tree while sledding plus some hits in soccer they like called it the perfect storm and then it just kind of blew up little by little and then when they found it it was just like last scenario where like Ken likes to say like oh if I would have let you play in that soccer game then now you probably would have died or lost a leg like, I saved your life. He told me he, like, has late night thoughts about, like, that. I'm like, uh-huh. But, no, I, like, I didn't process it. I think my cousin, that like, everyone else processed it, and I didn't understand it, but nobody forced me to. Or I think even if people tried, my mom said I, like, fell asleep and doctors came in the room just because, like, they called that my way of, like, coping with it. But, I like, I didn't see it as coping. I just thought that I was tired and fell asleep. But that's what my mom says, so.
0: So you, you're in the hospital, so... How long was this whole ordeal and kind of walk us through that? Like, cause you said two months later. So mine was five days and I was just like, okay, take your medicine and get checked out all the time and make sure you wear your compression stocking and, you know, don't hit your leg, don't cut yourself, you know, all those other things. So now you're like, I need a bubble to walk around in. So, and then everybody around you is like, are you okay? You feeling good? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Okay. So kind of like, kind of like what was the whole process? And you're like, I see you. I was never in ICU. Um, I always had my own room. I was special, more special than you. Um, But I didn't get popsicles. So that's, that's the one thing I missed out on, but kind of, so Now talk through that whole thing of, like, obviously, and I never had surgery, so kind of talk about all that. Because, I mean, for a 14-year-old kid, this has to, at some point, start getting just a little bit crazy, a little bit weird, and you're like, oh, my God, what's going on?
1: I think, so I was in, like, my own room for, or, like, in the normal piece floor for three days. My mom might correct me on this, because... I think it might be different. But then I was in ICU, I think, for seven. I think it was maybe – the whole stay was 15 days. So I And then I think I was on the other PEDS4, like, at the end of ICU for three. So I think I was in regular ICU for eight or nine days maybe. My math could be off, though, so. <laughs> no, I'm not. Because um, once I got into surgery, I assumed that I'd be going back to that room. But when I woke up from surgery, like, I was in – a completely different room with a lot more like monitors hooked up and I remember there was a board attached to at the bottom of my leg and I thought like this is weird, like why can't I move? And like, well this is so that like you're not tempted to move and that the catheter stays in place the whole time and it's just easier. And I was like, okay, well what if I have to go to the bathroom? And like this is the first time anybody told me like that bed rest meant like you can't go to the bathroom. So I was like which means like somebody's gonna have to put something under me and I have to pee into a bucket and the nurse is like, well, yeah, that's normally what bed rest means. Like, this is so stupid. I was mad. And I, but like, I still didn't understand like that this was a big serious thing. Because like, it was kind of nice because like my friend Sam, his mom let him skip school all the time and come hang out with me. And he would always tell the teachers like, oh yeah, I'm going to bring Jordan her home or go see Jordan. And they're like, okay, like tell her hi. Like we miss her. <laughs> And, like, Daniel would get out of, like, doing random things at school, too. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go see my sister in the hospital. But he came down maybe four times. So, like, everyone else seemed to, like, benefit. Emily got out of school. And it's funny because at this time, Emily's foot, my sister, who was in fourth or fifth grade at the time, told my mom that, like, her left foot had been, like, really hurting her. And my mom's like, you just want attention. Like, Jordan's getting all of our attention. And then, like, three months later, we found out that Emily had been walking around on a broken foot for four months my sister won't let my mom live that town. yeah but because <laughs> emily is up emily is in the hospital with me every day too and obviously so are both my parents but yeah the whole ordeal is 15 days mom you're still a good mom even though you didn't believe her
0: <laughs> that is awesome that is you just want attention no it's really broken yeah that's one she's gonna hold on for forever I don't think she'll ever let that one go. Remember that time you didn't believe me when my foot was broken and it could have fallen off? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you go through the surgery. You, you, all your friends are, or some of your friends are coming to visit you. Your brother's saying he is, but he's not. He's, he's using that as a pretty good hall pass, so that's pretty Kudos to him. Um, so it's going along. Is there any time where you're thinking – like, what's going to happen to me?
1: There was one night that I spiked a fever. And at this point, like, I had IVs in every part of my body. You can have an IV except for one hand. That, and they avoided this hand because the veins were not really good in it. But my one of my IVs was starting to, like, clot or something. I don't know. So they started, like, being inactive. So I remember they basically told me at, like, 2 a.m. when I excited fever that I needed a new IV put in. And because I – I don't know why this w- was so hard, but I just remember it was 2 a.m. and my mom was at my side, and this nurse – God, I hated her. She sucked at IVs. I And she came back and told me that she's never done an IV like that before, which I guess made it okay because – but it, I just remember it hurt so bad. And I think at that point where they, the vein kept rolling and I was – over-exaggerating this situation where like I just remember that being the most painful thing and I just remember tears my mom almost passed out because like blood started flying when they finally like popped the vein so I think that was the first time they noticed like when the heck am I gonna get out of here because I think that was the first time that I thought to myself like when am I gonna like go home and see my dogs and like lay in my bed and like my birthday's coming up in two weeks like I want to be out of here and before my birthday so I think that was the first time or um the first time that it had been a couple of days since like my hair had been wash washed instead of like dry shampoo, and I just remember hating. I still hate dry shampoo to this day, just because how many people like spray it in my hair. And I just remember that I wanted normalcy, and it just wasn't being able to be given to me at the time. And I had one nurse. I think it was probably my fourth day in ICU who finally came in. She's like, "Let's let's wash your hair." And so she situated and pulled me up to the end of the bed so my hair could hang over, and she washed it with actual shampoo. And I ended up babysitting her kids and, like, nannying for them for three years after I got (laughs) out of the hospital. But I remember, like, that that just changed my life in the hospital, even if it was for, like, 20 minutes. Because then she came in every other day and did it for me after that. But I don't know. I don't think it was ever what's going to happen to me. It was when the heck am I going to get my life back, honestly.
0: So you get your life back. You go through that whole turmoil what was it like kind of getting back to normal and did you ever feel like maybe my normal is never going to be the same normal again? Because I know after my clot, you're like, there's so many things you have to look out for and you got to make sure you do this. And everybody would like, do you have your compression stocking on? And it was like, Every day, like three times a day, I'm pulling up my pants, like, say, yeah, I got my compression stocking on. And then you go visit a doctor. Are you wearing your compression stocking? Yes, I'm wearing. I've got it on right now. So did you ever get back to normal that you felt was a normal or was it just now? Hey, this is my new life and this is these are things that I have to do.
1: I there's one day in the hospital there was a cute little Russian doctor who had like a list of do's and don'ts while you're on Blood Thinner. And that was the first time anybody had told me that I wasn't going to be able to play soccer while on Blood Thinner. And depending on how long it would take to get off Blood Thinner would be when I would be able to play soccer again. So I think my normal was everyone telling me in the hospital, like, you're going to be able to play soccer again when you get out of this. And that was far from true. Like, I had eight months of doing nothing. And so I felt like my normal never really got normal ever again because I had walked down the halls at school. And I before I started wearing shorts, I felt people staring because like, dang, that was a girl that was gone for three weeks from school. And then when I started wearing shorts, it was people wouldn't look me in the eye anymore. They would look at how tan my left leg is with my stocking. And then they'd look at how white my other leg is because I'm a pale. And I just remember being mad because it's like that was a constant reminder of like that I'm no longer Jordan. I was like the blood clot girl. And then even – because it's true. Like that's what I saw myself as. And then like little things were like my leg would ache sometimes and my mom would make an immediate call to – my hematologist and like I would get mad that she was over exaggerating because like but like at the, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, and then I was just getting mad because everyone was taking everything so easy on me and then it was I go over to my boyfriend's house and his parents would say oh have you taken like did you bring your blood thinner pills to take or I go to soccer and like do you have your compression on yes I have my compressions on like why wouldn't I have my compression stocking like you think my mom would let me out of the house without this on So that was hard. And then it was hard going through my first high school season and all of my friends played soccer. So I couldn't play soccer. I was annoyed being like the high school coach coming to my bedside saying, we really want you to be a manager this season, which in hindsight was a really nice offer, but it wasn't anywhere near what I wanted to do. So it sucked because that's all my friends did when they would come to school and talk about something that happened at soccer. I couldn't connect. I couldn't relate. And I didn't want to be at soccer because it was too hard to be around. So i pretty sure I distanced myself from all of my friends. Like, you asked me about why Lexi and I weren't friends. That was a reason that I probably stopped talking to Lexi for a year because it was just too hard to be around and want to do that. So then... And then when I finally was able to play soccer again and I finally got to go try out for the club team, I could do certain things to a point because I hadn't been, like, 100% cleared, but I got cleared to go to this tryout. And so I was annoyed because what I'd been cleared to do, the coach was like, she pulled me aside and she said, hey, you know, we just don't think that the other girls can give 100% and show themselves in this tryout if you're out there because they're really concerned about, like, hurting you. Like, we just, we really don't think you should participate in this tryout. And I just remember, like, really not really responding to her, but saying, like, yeah, okay. And then I went and grabbed my stuff, walked to the car, and said, Dad, I'm like, let's go home. And I cried the entire way home. And then the director of coaching called me when tryout list came out and said, hey, you're not on the travel team, but we can't put you on the traveling team because, like, you didn't really try out, but at the same time, we can't put you on because your dad's the president of the club. And I was like, yeah, I understand, but, like, I could have been able to try out if you would have let me try out, but it just still – so, I just hated people knowing me as the girl who had the blood clot instead of Jordan. And that's the thing I think that pissed me off the most about like, the whole situation. So
0: when did you finally become Jordan again?
1: Um, I think for a long time I was looking for like Jordan from po- like pre-blood clot. And I don't think I ever got to become that Jordan ever again. Because I feel like part of my innocence was swiped away that day that I entered the hospital. So I don't think it ever got back to being that Jordan. It's just I'm a new Jordan that I had to become okay with and make other people okay with when finally people stopped looking for that old Jordan and realizing that I wasn't going to be there. So I think once I got through that, that's what mattered, I guess. I think it happened on the soccer field where I think I had my expectations really, really high walking out of freshman year club season because I felt really good being a starting starter on my club team with some really, really talented girls. And so I felt really good about that. And then um, not being able to play and then getting put into a younger team for club the following year or on the non-tournament team, I guess I should say, and then getting put as a triple rostered player. Then I think it was like, okay, like you're going to have to be okay with being triple rostered and taking what you can get at this point. Cause like, you're not going to be where you want to be. I don't think, I think even if I, I just don't think I was ever the same after that. And the quicker I came to that realization, the quicker I was okay with myself. So like, if i couldn't be the best i could ever be at soccer then what what else can i do with my life that makes it okay so then i joined show choir to do something else in my life that fulfilled it in a different way that soccer did you're a great singer. yeah not to be cocky <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow uh, that that didn't seem... i barely got it out and you were like yes i am state the obvious rod very good so yes you were a great singer and then i met you your senior year in high school you were a starter. I believe you were captain. And, like, I never knew. You couldn't tell. Like, I didn't – I don't think I found out about the whole thing till we kind of had the conversation and everything. So, it was – so, if what I saw you was a different Jordan, then I would have hate to have played you before the clock, Jordan, because you still were the toughest player on the team, and I say that in a nice way. But you you obviously changed your mind, and you were starting to branch out so – What as you look back at it that now, what did you what do you take away from that? What do you think as you go forward and you kind of move through life and you get older? What do you take from that to say, you know, what the learning experience that it was?
1: Ooh, I thought about this question a lot for like scholarships and stuff because that's all anyone wants to ask is like, what did that experience teach you? I think it taught me how to build myself up from the ground again, and that you can't root your identity in one thing and one thing only. Where like before, I don't think if I had my blood clot, I would never join show choir. Never put myself in a dress and heels on a stage and danced in front of people. Yeah, right. So I think that was a big thing for me to realize is that your identity can be rooted in, in something besides being on the varsity soccer team. Where I think that my entire experience, I think, just made me an empathetic person and more made me more self aware of what I was going through, or of how I feel and like what other people are going through compared to I'm pretty sure as a freshman I was probably a lot a typical freshman girl and I was more self-absorbed and stuff like that but then that entire situation changed me to be like "Mm, if I don't like how people are looking at me right now how would people like me if I was staring at them if they had a compression stocking that probably doesn't make sense but that's just I don't know I just learned that There's more things to root myself into than a varsity starting spot on a soccer team, I guess.
0: There's not more than that. That's not just kidding. Yeah. So you've gone all past that. You Hopefully that's the darkest part of your life. So now here you are, you're 21, graduating college, kind of as you look forward in life, how it just seems like the path you've chosen psychology and counselor, it almost seems like This situation and you know you never want to say oh you think you got it bad but but don't you do you feel like maybe in this position you could be better than someone else because hey I I know what it's like to struggle and be something that's difficult and yet you go through it
1: yeah I think that when trying to like figure out what I wanted to do that when I dropped OT that was something that I struggled with it's like what do I want to devote the rest of my life to honestly And I remember, like, having a conversation with my dad in the kitchen. I'm pretty sure I asked him this once a week for a couple months. Like, Like, why is this your dream job? Like, what about this makes it your dream job? And he answered, like, well, you have to pick one thing that's most important to you about a job and, like, focus on how you find that. So he asked me what was most important. And I said that I wanted to change life and I wanted to help someone. So then my dad asked me how, like, you can do that in ways other than, a really big way of someone saying, oh my God, you changed my life when you did this one action because that's really unlikely that somebody's ever going to say that to you. But he's like, dang, this can be one action that can just change a day and then in turn changes a life. So I think I like go back to my blood clot experience and I can think of the little things that somebody did that literally felt like they changed my life at the time. Like the girl who chose to wash my hair, the nurse that came to check in me from the regular floor to the ICU floor to bring me her favorite movie to watch, my friends who ditch school which probably did more for them than it did for me but like little things that like sam would sit and watch i think we watched four hours of america's next top model one day and he just did that and i was just thankful that he didn't say okay let's change the channel now but he was just like okay let's watch another one like dang her yeah yeah but instead he like responded he's like dang her hair looks awful in this shoot she's not using the eyes she should which like at the time was like dang this i really needed this today So little things like that, I think I was looking to do that for someone. So I think because I have that outlook on how I can affect someone's life that way, then I think it led me to what I want to do a little bit. And like being in a school setting, when I got done with the whole hospital stuff, like my mom wanted me to go talk to someone so bad because I was just a brat every single day because I was hurting from the repercussions of like both physically and mentally of everything that had happened. But I kind of told her like, heck no. But then they started bribing me with, like, it literally was, like, I finally got released to, like, go walk a mile. And I was pissed that I got released to go walk a mile when I could. Like, that's not soccer. Why would I want to go walk a mile? I can walk a mile any day. But my mom's like, if you want to go watch your friends play soccer tonight, you'll go walk at the YMCA. And I just remember being mad that I was going to the YMCA and walking around the track with my dad. <laughs> and I just remember hating that. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. So I think – if. I feel like if I had a counselor that made me want to go talk to them and realize that it it probably would do me a lot of good to go see someone and talk through those things, even if they don't say anything, even if I could have just spent 30 minutes a day talking to someone about how I felt besides my mom, that probably would have done me a world of good rather than keeping it in all the time.
0: It's funny you mentioned school counselor because my son... um homeroom teacher is a psychologist and he loves talking to her and he's spoken with her and made strides with her like with nobody else ever before and and i think it is it's just that person that someone can talk to because you can talk to your mom you can talk to your dad but then there's sometimes you just need to talk to somebody different that's not going to judge you or doesn't almost like doesn't know anything about you and so that's really cool so your soccer career is over. You're out there in the world now. So, but you're a very competitive person. You know uh, that's plain and simple. You are very competitive. What do you do now? What 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 brings out that competitive part of Jordan? And and how does she get that out now?
1: The gym. Still from being 14, I still work out at the Anvil with Ken every week. He writes my workouts. And for Actually,
0: since he saved your
1: life. yeah, essentially, I owe him something. No, he's done a lot for me so shout out to you if you ever listen to this but um be on. He said he would be on. oh really yeah. dang maybe he'll talk about me then <laughs> yeah. you can give a shout out to me during the whole blood clot thing I remember that Ken would train me he'd come pick me up from school every day because my mom couldn't get off school in order to take me to the gym since that was the only thing that I could do at the time so Ken would come pick me up and my dad would go to the boys soccer my brothers would be at soccer so I didn't have a ride so Ken every day without fail would come pick me up from school, and then take me, and he would open the gym 15 minutes late so he could pick me up. And there was um, one day that he made me do bike sprints next to some bikini competitor. And, like, I just remember being so competitive that this girl was going faster than me because, my like, my endurance wasn't there yet. And I remember the first round I beat her, but I went so hard that I, like, knocked myself out for the other two rounds. And I just remember bawling that this this girl was beating me. And I remember, I think that's... I've cried in the gym a lot of times, but I think that was the first time that I was pissed. And like, it was a good piss to be like mad about something like that. So then I finally, I kind of kept that going in the gym where instead of going into other people, like I was going into myself more. So once I got out of high school, I was like, I need to stay active in some way if I don't have soccer every night. So then I was like, maybe I could like do powerlifting. So then I focused on getting really strong and <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean I'm trying to get strong (laughs) but then I so I did like a deadlift challenge last year and like that was a lot of fun but then I kind of flipped gears and I'm training for a bikini competition in May and I'm very nervous about that and everyone's like it's just for the experience and like just to get yourself out there but I'm going to win like I'm I'm going with the mindset that like I want to win I'm not going to go waste eight months of not eating good food every single day without going in with the mindset of I want to win like that's ridiculous who would ever do that so I keep my competitive edge that way, I guess.
0: I love that. I'm You can eat good food, good for you. But think about when you win that post-winning meal, you just get the chow down. So why bikini?
1: I realized that um, you need to do cardio along with weights. So I think I gained my freshman 15 and I wasn't okay with that anymore. So I wanted to have like an end goal. And then it was kind of just to start out that way, and then I had a really bad anxiety attack in the beginning of the summer, and I lost, like, 10 pounds within two weeks, which is not healthy, and don't ever do that. So that kind of kicked it, and then once I got a healthy mindset, then we talked about, like, if I want to do this, I have eight months off before I go to grad school. Like, it makes time sense right now that I can do this without having to worry about school and I can really focus on this. So that's
0: what I got. Well, you know, you'll have a huge cheering section, so that'll be fun. So what have you found out about yourself as you've started this new challenge, this bikini challenge? What what have you learned about yourself and what have you brought from your adventures earlier in life to this? Because it seems like with what you went through when you were 14, it's almost like any challenge you come up to, you'd be like, well, this is nothing. I should be able to get through this, but I'm sure that's not true. It's just, it's different challenges that you have. So, so how do you find yourself battling through these times? And cause you know, there's going to be times when oh, I can't lose the last five pounds or, or what have you, or in your strength training, like, why won't this weight go up no matter how hard I try? So what have you learned about yourself now?
1: Um, I think, That at the end of the day, I realized that one thing my blood clot took away from me was control. And I like having a sense of control over what's going on around me, which is a really bad habit to have. But I think I had so much that was out of my control for so long that I really like to establish what I can control. So I think the gym was one way for me to have control over what's going on around me and like what I can like squat up, push push over my head stuff like that so I think with bikini it was a matter of my eating I can control my weight for the most part I can control or like what I'm not my weight weight but like my weights of my lifts I can control so I think that was a really big aspect for me not that powerlifting is any different but I could combine two of my goals at once to kind of make it happen so I think that's what kind of led me to it I guess
0: so after the bikini contest is there any, uh, what are some of the other things that, do you have a list of things you're like, okay, I've checked this box off, grad school, what are some of the other things that you've kind of set up yourself up to try to do, and do you, the other question, we'll answer that question, I have another question.
1: Yeah, I have a couple things, like um, graduate college, check that off in a month, Um, apply to grad school, which I'm in the process of, I want to get into grad school, that's a check mark, compete in this, and then I've always had a thing, ever since I was Younger and like watch people come to the gym and compete in random things. So, I've always had a thing like I have a bucket list on my phone. So, it was like always compete in a powerlifting meet, compete in a bikini competition, compete in a strongman competition. So, I think I've um, wanted to try each one. It was just a matter of how I try each one. And then, I want to get a puppy next summer. I don't know if that's what you mean, but I really want to get a puppy. I don't know. I just want to graduate grad school, get a job that I really like pay off my student debt. Those are my big ones right now.
0: I'm going to end it with one big doozy question. And it's kind of what I thought, like I said, those five days when you're sitting in the hospital, well, my five days, you're much longer when you're sitting and you think of what could have happened. Did it make you, and does it make you appreciate life any more or any differently?
1: Um, it depends on the day. I think sometimes again when I like did figure out that like this was a really life-threatening thing that I was so young that I didn't process it the right way that it should have been processed. We're like now it's kind of weird to go back and people talk in school. Like we had a conversation a couple weeks ago in class that was like about near-death experiences. It's ridiculous to listen to all the people who said. This car came two inches from my bumper. <laughs> I I saw my life flash before my eyes, and I always keep my mouth shut just because I don't want people to. I don't like getting the yeah, and then you get the, uh Like, I had my Hawkeye video shared it. My mom re-shared it, so it re-tagged me in it. And I had, like, a bunch of my coworkers who had no idea. Like, that's so sad that you went through that. Yeah, it is. But we don't have to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. It's so long ago. Yeah, I mean, I just... It's hard because... Again, because I don't think that I understood what it was at the time that it ever really changed my outlook on life. I think if I would have understood it in the moment, that it would have been... It felt a lot different than finding out two months later when my cousin was like, hey, yeah, you know, you could have almost died or, like, lost your leg or something. I was like, really? Beats me. Like, news to me. So I don't think it – it definitely makes me appreciate it much more, especially, like, as I got older and, like, you see the new kids' hospital and, like, I go back every year and see my hematologist and she's able to say, like, your leg looks really good. Like, do you have any pain? Or, like, maybe you should get some new stockings. That makes me appreciate life a lot more. And it makes me like we had the girl who's next to me in ICU. She was waiting on a heart transplant and it never came and she died from it. And that made me appreciate the fact that I got to walk out of there perfectly fine and that she was in and out for her entire life. So little things like that make me appreciate it. And then, you know, you go to the I'm lucky enough that my dad lets me get coke tickets to the hawkeye games (laughs) every week and every week we always like wave to the kids in the first um quarter and first quarter wave is that in the second Second okay that's what i thought i i consider no like (laughs) first quarter it's in between the first and the second yeah and I always, kid you not, like, I will cry every single time because it's weird to think, like, if I like, if I were just turning 14 this year and this, like, if this would have happened right now when I was in the hospital, like, would I be up there looking at this wave happening? So that makes me appreciate sure all the little kids that are up there knowing that, like, what they did for me, they're continuing to do for others. So life, life's a little different when I look at it that way rather than being 14 thinking, huh, yeah, okay, but I'm still here. So.
0: And that's kind of what I... Well, why I wanted to have you on is things like that, the wave, you know, you're like the wave and you're like, Oh, that's cool. That's what it means. But it's like for someone like you, it's like, man, that's gotta be something completely different. Like, yeah. And tears and how much that wave could mean to a little kid. Cause it just seems like a simple gesture, you know, a wave, it's not money. It's not, you know, like when we would run McDonald house, I remember I, uh, we would cook meals for him. And I would think, you know, in the scheme of things, you know, here's a parent, They've got a sick kid. They don't know how that, what's going to happen with their child. What does me making hamburgers or something really mean to them? And then you sit and talk to one of the parents and you're like, this means a lot. This is something different, something I don't have to worry about. Man, how does a dinner change someone's life or make someone's life better or mean that much to somebody? So
1: Every time the wave happens, I'm either... I go to games either with my sister or I'll be with my parents. And during every single wave, my sister will either like pat me on the back or my mom will always come up and give me a kiss on the head. Because I think every time that she's there, that's where her mind automatically goes. And I think my dad would do it too, but he's like talking to people. (laughs) But I know he thinks about it. But my mom will come up and give me a kiss and give me a hug because that's where her mind automatically goes. And probably to the people next to me, it's like, dang, this mom really likes her kid. But to everybody else who knows about it, they're like, dang like yeah you should like you should give your daughter a kiss she could come on and be here
0: you ever think she does anything that reminds her of emily's broken foot
1: <laughs> yeah when emily guilt trips her into stuff by using that excuse like mom can i go do this and my love would say no remember that one time that i walked around on a broken foot for four months every change she gets she would bring that up and then my, i remember my mom posted about it on facebook and she's like one thing after another and i like showed my sister she's like This could have gotten taken care of all within, like, one hospital stay if she just would have believed me. Like, girl, get over yourself. I'm more important for the first time in my life. Middle kids, no more.
0: But you can always pull the trump card of, like, oh, my foot, I foot. Well, I could have died, and you know, but so your foot's really nothing, so that doesn't really matter. Well, thank you for doing this, and uh, like I said, I think it's a great story. I've been lucky enough. I only met you during your senior year, but it was... The, the t- sock twins, and you know, being able to still see you all the time, it's kind of cool and watch you grow up. And it's been fun. And I just know you'll be an awesome person because you already are. And as a counselor, I think you're just easy to talk to. And I think whoever gets you as a counselor will be very, very lucky. And who knows, maybe I'll be sending you students. I'm still coaching. I'll be like, go talk to this girl. You didn't make varsity, go talk to this girl. She can tell you how it feels. <laughs> yeah so thanks for coming
1: thank you these are the nicest things you've ever said to me
0: that is not true I said nice things on the field I'm pretty sure you really laid that girl out there oh there was one more thing I wanted to talk about was like you got injured your senior year I went to, oh, I can't believe I didn't we'll talk about that next time We'll talk when you get out because I will talk to you again after your bikini competition because we we'll want to go through that all right well thank you so much